that song goes so well with, with, what, with what the message is today. As you can see, uh, the title of it is Faith in the Midst of the Storm. And uh, it, it just goes so well with it. So again, thank you all for your, for your freedom there um, uh, to, to do that. So in, in 1914, a man named Ernest Shackleton and a team of explorers set out from England to do something that no one had ever accomplished before, uh, to cross Antarctica all right, from one side to the other across the South Pole. However, disaster struck when the team ship named Endurance uh, became, which is interesting uh, in a way, uh, became entrapped in ice and eventually sank after her hull was crushed. Marooned on nearby Elephant Island, there seemed little hope for their survival. In a desperate effort to get help, Shackleton and five others set out in a 20-foot lifeboat, okay, 20-foot lifeboat, across some of the most dangerous and storm-filled waters in the world. It was an 800-mile journey to South Georgia Island where help could be found. For 15 days, the men battled the treacherous seas and massive storms with waves of up to 100 feet. Using only a compass and a sextant, Frank Worsley, who had captained the endurance, navigated their course until they safely reached land and found help. Shackleton procured another ship, returned to rescue all of his men. He became a national hero in England for his courage and persistence. What, a, what an amazing story. I love stories like that, and I, I've never heard I've never, had never heard that one. So storms, I, I think you're kind of you're getting the point already. This was, this was a literal storm we talked about, but I think we all know that um, this will go figuratively today right? as we, talk, we think about storms that we face in our lives as well. But in our passage today, they're in a literal storm, okay? And so um, today's central statement is a big, big long, it's kind of long today, um, and, and it, might, it might go a little bit past the time, so they'll be mad at me at Burnham because we might get there a little late, but I'll go, I'll go as fast as I can, all right? Right, Coach, we'll be all right, right? Okay, uh, he says I can keep preaching, so we're good. Uh, so even those storms, and I think just, I think this central statement, you know, again, it goes with what we just sang and, and just... Um, I mean, there's just a lot of truth. There's truth in it right, right there. It said, even though storms arise in our lives, which we know they will, right, God is still in control. Amen. In spite of his perceived silence, because it does feel that way sometimes, amen to that as well, God is all-powerful, and we should, therefore, have faith in him. Right? So with that said, right, you're gonna, we're going to turn to Mark chapter 4. Right? We're going to start in verse 35. But you can find... A, a different account from Luke in Luke chapter 8 and in Matthew in Matthew chapter 8 if you want to okay I prefer Mark's version uh, the best because it, it's the most personal um, and there's more details in this passage than in Matthew and Luke okay there's more details and probably because Peter was there he lived it I remember Peter you know we, we said it from way on back that you, you could call this the, the gospel of Peter all right um, Mark wrote it, but Peter was Peter influenced him heavily. Okay, uh, in, in in this whole book. So Mark chapter four, um, and, and keep in mind that uh, Jesus had just been teaching. He was standing. He stood on a boat on the other side. He, he stood, and so he could have kind of like a, uh, I guess, better acoustics. And he he preached. He told uh, parables to all these people, right, to a big crowd. And then say, so, hey, let's let's go over to the other side. So here we go. Mark chapter four, verse thirty-five. On that day, when evening had come, he told them. Listen to this, okay? This is small, but listen to this. He told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. Please remember that, okay? Just remember that. You know, write that down in your head somewhere. Remember that, okay? We will get to that later, all right? So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat. 
and other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. Okay? So we're, we're number one, storms will arise. Okay? We see that right there, verse 37. A great windstorm arose. Okay? So number one, storms will arise. Uh, the old saying, and I'm sure you've heard this, and I'm not breaking new ground here. Um, probably every preacher ever stood in the pulpit has said something like this, okay? It's something similar. The old saying, you know, you're either in a storm, you either just came out of one, or you're about to go through one, right? I mean, it, it, that's life, okay? Uh, and that's life, and we can all say amen to that. Um, Y'all remember a song uh, in the 60s? I beg your pardon. I never promise you a rose garden. All right. Uh, sorry, I'm not going to sing much more because I want y'all to stay around. But, uh, but you know, we, we know life is tough. And we have said it many times from this pulpit. Um, you know, you give your life to Christ, it's probably going to get harder. Your life will probably get harder. It's not, it's not a bit of roses. Okay? Um, life is tough. In fact, I love the way Lucretius, you know, if you only go by one name, you must be important, I guess, right? But Lucretius says this, life is one long struggle in the dark. All right. We're going to close there. Amen. We'll go home. Now, if I stop there, that would be kind of uh, gloomy, right? Right, Alex? Oh, man. Thank you, Brother Patrick, today. All right. You're very, um, you know, it's very good words. But seriously, that there's so much truth in that. Life is one long struggle. It's hard enough because it's, it's a struggle. It's, life is tough in the dark. On top of that, I can't even see. So life is tough, and I can't see. I can't see where I'm going. See, this, this, uh, this storm here that, we're, that, that Mark talks about um, was a squall. Okay, it was a squall. Has anyone ever literally seen being in a squall? I have not. Thank God. You have. Okay, all right. Scary? Very scary. I can imagine. I've seen, I've seen the movie White Squall. That was enough for me. Okay, like I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious. Okay, um, but it is a literal squall. Um, or storm, or tempest, whatever word you want to want to use there. They oft, they often called it a nor'easter. Okay, it's what they called it. Um, and this is where the Sea of Galilee was located. It was set up to have these storms fairly, fairly regularly. So y'all know I love my details. So let me. So go ahead, Brother Patrick. All right. So all right. So let me explain. All right. Let me or, or how you say it. You should say it to my kid. Let me explain. Let me explain real quick. Okay. So the Sea of Galilee. Okay, lies almost 700 feet below sea level below sea level. Now, it is surrounded on, on the sides by highlands. To the northeast is Mount Hermon, which rises over 9,000 feet above sea level. Okay? A lot of difference there. And so, uh, when the cold air from Mount Hermon meets the rising warm air from the sea, it often results in a storm that sweeps down on the lake from the heights. Alright? Producing squalls, nor'easters, storms, tempests. Now, Again, like put ourselves in that situation. Uh, if this was really a literal squall, all right, you said you've been in one. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't be much help. I know that surprises you. I'm not much of a seaman, okay? The, 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 the sea stuff that I experienced, I'm, I was in the bottom of the boat throwing up, okay? That was me, all right? I literally, you know, we went deep sea fishing with my, with, um, uh, with Roy, uh, my mom's husband, and, uh, and and yeah, it was fun for a little while until uh, I was like, yeah, that's enough for me. And then I and I was uh, uh, I wouldn't have been much help. See, uh, but keep in mind, all right, when you, when we're looking at this, you know, we see through our, our lenses, we see I would have to change that because in my mind, because they, these these disciples were not inexperienced. Okay, uh, in fact, um, they were experienced. We're gonna look more at that later on. 
Um, and so I'm just kind of amazed at what some, when you think about it, we think what, what some uh, women and men of God have had to go through in their lives. You know, when you think about it, it's, you know, it's like, man, that person seems to always, you know, it's one storm after another. It's one storm. Um, and, and it reminds me of um, Franny Crosby. All right, y'all know Franny Crosby. Some of y'all y'all know. I know y'all do. Uh, Frances Jane Crosby. You know her because she wrote more than nine thousand hymns. Okay, um, such as "Blessed Assurance," "All the Way My Savior Leads Me," "To God Be the Glory," "Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior." All right, some nodding of heads now. Okay, "Safe in the Arms of Jesus," "Rescue the Perishing," "Jesus Keep Me Near the Cross." We could go on and on. She wrote these, right? <laughs> Um, but her faith was so strong. She wrote so many that she was forced to use pen names, all right, lest the hymnals be filled with her name above all others. So she, she didn't want that, so she used pen names. And for most people, the most remarkable thing about her was that she had done all this in spite of her blindness. Okay? All right? Um, I, and, and somebody, a, a, a one well-meaning preacher said the following quote to her. says, I think it's a great pity that the Master did not give you sight when he, sho- when he showered so many other gifts upon you. To which Fanny Crosby responded at once, as she had heard such comments before. She says this, Do you know that if at birth I had been able to make one petition, it would have been that I was born blind? That would have been her, been her petition. Said the poet who had been able, unable to see, um, was only able to see for her first six weeks of life. And here's why. She says, Because when I get to heaven... The first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. That's awesome. So just, oh gosh, you know, I wish you wouldn't have been born. You know, I wish you wouldn't be blind. She says, well, actually, I wish I was born blind because, you know, I saw things. First six weeks, I wish I'd never seen only Jesus, my Savior. Amen. What perspective? What perspective? See, it, it, it's what or who we're looking at, right? So we, 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 we heard that Lucretius uh, quote, life is one long struggle in the dark. So it's, it's tough and it's dark and we can't see, but it's what or who are we looking at? Amen? It's what or who are we looking at? Look, the reality is life is tough. We're going to face storms, and oftentimes it seems that it has nothing to do with our obedience or lack thereof. So be careful. Be careful with your, with your preachers who, uh, who, who will say that it, you know, it's the reason you, you've been bad, all right, and this is why it's happened. Okay? No, no, that's not true. See, Jonah's storm was because of disobedience. Yes, yes. All right, uh, but not this, right? not not this, right? Didn't Jesus say, "Let's go over"? Didn't Jesus suggest it? Okay, and so they were being obedient. They were, they were doing what Jesus told them to do, brother Tommy. Let's go. Okay, we'll do it. Let's go. And still, a storm hit. And interestingly enough, this I love these little details. This is the only time in the Gospels that records Jesus sleeping. The only one. I, I I'm like you know. Uh, now, of course, we know he slept, all right? But, but the specific mention of it right here, I just love. I love it. Um, and, and why? I don't know. Maybe to prove that even when it appears that even when he's literally sleeping, he's still in control. I, 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 just, I don't know. I just love it. So what do we do whenever storms arise? Because they will arise. See, some people see their situation and they fear, which leads to worry, right, and anxiety. What do you think the disciples did at this point? What would you have done? Don't you think they tried to get water out the out of the boat? I mean, they had to do something. Okay, uh, I mean, I'm almost sure of it. As, as previously mentioned, this was there was seasoned fishermen on the boat. Okay, um, they would have known what to do. Four of the disciples were fishermen: Peter, 
Andrew, James, and John. And in John chapter 21, you'll see that seven of them went fishing. Right? They, they, these guys know about water. They know about squalls and nor'easters. They know about this. They're experienced. So I think they probably started working immediately. Hey, all right, Kirk, you get that. So you get, okay, we're, we're going around and we're getting the water out of the boat, right? Because that's what we do. Right? We, we get to work as fast as we can. Right? It reminds me of a very nervous first-time crew member who says to a skipper, do yachts like this sink very often? Not too often, replied the skipper. Usually it's only this once. So, sorry, bad, bad joke. Mr. I think Mr. John liked that one, though. All right. So, so whenever, there's a grunt over there. So whenever those situations arise, what do we do? So let's, we'll go to the next point, and we'll see the central statement again that, on the screen, that even though storms arise in our lives, God is still in control. Right? And we're going to continue that as we move on. So the next verse, just one verse, verse 38. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? God, number two, God is in complete control even whenever it seems that he is silent and he's quiet and our, and our prayers don't go past the ceiling. Have you ever been in a truly hopeless situation or felt like it? See, some of y'all can relate. Some of y'all can relate to this. Most everybody can. It's just like no way out. read this story about uh, in the summer of 2000. There was a, a Russian Oscar second-class submarine, the Kursk, sank in the Barents Sea right, due to an internal explosion. Divers made several attempts to go down and assess the situation to determine if anyone had survived. When they were finally successful, they discovered a group of 23 men who had survived the explosion. These men had gone back as far as they could to the end of the submarine and had gathered together in the last remaining pocket of air, but the rescue team hadn't made it to them in time. All 23 men had died. On the inside wall of the submarine, they found this note that had been etched there by the Captain Lieutenant Dmitry Kolesnikova. There you go, Mr. Mike. I did the best I can. It said this. It's too dark here to write, but I'll try by feel. It seems like there are no chances. Can you identify? It's so dark in here. I'll try. All I can do is feel. It seems like there are no chances. How am I going to make it through this? I don't see any way out. See, sometimes we feel just as hopeless as that guy, right, when, when a loved one uh, die, uh, gets cancer or a student dies in a car crash, right? A couple loses a child in childbirth. I mean, we pray and pray and nothing seems to happen. We pray for that child, for that wayward son, and we see no change. See, we can all relate. Life is tough, right? Like Lucretia said, life is tough and it's dark and hopeless and we can't see. But James 1, verses 2, 2 through 4, for those of us who have a relationship with Christ, it can do these things to us, those who have a relationship with Jesus, and knowing that he's in complete control, we can trust this in James chapter 1. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Wait a minute, uh, joy? That doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem to go together, right? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Well, how do we do that? By completely trusting in that God is in control. Right? And we see our strength, is, our faith is strengthened through that. We look back at it and say that was a tough time, but God, God has made me stronger through that. So notice again that James doesn't say if you experience trials, but whenever you experience trials. So it's a fact that we will have tough times. So what do we do? 
Is there anyone, is there anything we can rely on? Anyone we can go to help? See, the disciples had the king of the world to go to for help. But, but let's be honest. They must have been a little bit frustrated. Don't you think, Alex? A little bit frustrated? Because they've been working pretty hard, right, getting water out of the boat. All right? And Jesus is sleeping. You know? Sally and I like to watch Survivor still. If you think my life, and, and you don't like the person who just does nothing. You know? It's like they're not carrying their weight. It's like, dude, you can at least go get some water, man. All right, go get some fruit or something. You, you, you do something for us, you know. So it's like he had to be kind of like, he kind of had to, had to aggravate them. In fact, Matthew and Luke, it's kind of funny, and you look at the detail, and you look at the background there, they, they don't really allude to that as much. They kind of soften this up a little bit, you know. Um, but it appears Mark's account was the most accurate, okay. Uh, they, they were aggravated. They were aggravated, all right. We don't want to soften this up here. Je- Jesus wasn't helping in their, in their minds, okay. Uh, and so... Uh, we give them a hard time, but again, can you blame them? All right, they've been working, trying to keep the ship from sinking, and Jesus was laying on a cushion asleep. And notice their question did not include Jesus. It was, teacher, do you, do you not care that we are perishing? What about us? We're perishing. All right? How tough it is whenever it seems like God is silent. So I just tried this on, you know, I just tried to pop it in the, the Internet in, this, in Google search, and I just simply typed... Um, when God is silent, there are 207 million results just from that. Okay? Oh, we can relate, can't we? Get, but, but guess what? Um, don't miss this. They still went to Jesus. They still went to Jesus. Who do we go to when waves are crashing down upon us and our boat's sinking? You, you go to your spouse? See, your spouse can't save you. Okay? And they can't complete you either. I'm going to go ahead and you know, give you a little, that's some things I say. One of the things I say in, in, in uh, marriage counseling, okay? the whole Jerry Maguire saying, you complete me, all right, that's not accurate, okay, in real life. Your spouse can't save you. Your parents can't save you, right? Your friends can't save you. Drugs and alcohol can't save you. Right? Anything else that you put your trust in, they can't save you. Amen. Acts 4 verse 12 tells us there's salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Only Jesus. Amen. And while, yes, they, they did go to Jesus, they had the source correct, and I applaud them for that, it, they still didn't trust his heart. They didn't trust his heart. The ESV study Bible says the disciples' fear of perishing is greater than their confidence in the presence of Jesus. I couldn't say it any better than that, so I've got to give them credit. You know, their, their fear of perishing is greater than their confidence in the presence of Jesus. Who was there? Asleep, but he was there, brother. Chuck Swindoll says how quickly we forget during times of testing what we have learned during times of teaching. We forget. And things get tough, and we're like, where's God? You know, it would be like... We need to be more like Elijah when he said, where is God, right? Where is the God of Elijah? He had that faith. Ooh, that's, another, that's another sermon. Sometimes all we have left is a trust. When we are done with our doings and our actions, what do we do then? Uh, what, what, what do we do then? Pioneer missionary J. Hudson Taylor founded the China Inland, Inland Mission in 1865. During the terrible days of the Boxer Rebellion, when missionaries were being captured and killed, he went through such agony of soul that he could not pray. Writing in his journal, he summarized his spiritual, spiritual condition this way. He says this, I can't read, I can't think, 
I can't pray, but I can trust. See, life is tough. And it's in the dark. And it's hard. And sometimes we can't do anything, but we can trust. Amen? See, can you trust? Who do you trust? Because not everyone or everything is really actually capable of giving you assistance. Amen? But God is. See, even though storms arise in our lives, God is in complete control even when he feels like he's silent. God is all-powerful, and we should therefore have faith in him. So let's go to that second sentence there. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. He got up, Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Real simple, but so powerful. See, God is all-powerful. That uh, The technical word for that is omnipotent. Omni being all potent, being power. All-powerful. There is no one or no thing that is more powerful than the Lord God Almighty. Amen? He basically said, hush, be still, and stay that way. It's, I, think, I think of Miss Dana going to her class and telling her students, hush, be quiet, and they get quiet, right? Perfectly, because you're a 100% perfect teacher, just like all of us. All right, but, but like, no. I mean, but it, it, that's the, it's the same vein there. It's the same feeling, all right? Hush, be quiet, and the students are quiet. It's actually the same word used for when Jesus cast demons out of people already in the book of Mark, okay? Go, go away, all right? Hush, be still, be quiet. Hush. See, he has power over death, hell, and the grave. And the demons and nature. Amen? He's all-powerful. Mark says there was a great calm in the ocean. And, I, and the closest I've ever, I can ever describe this to uh, and, and explain this is whenever I went on a mission trip to Honduras years ago. I uh, went, to, went to Honduras to Roatan. And, you know, they had a, a, a great reef. I had a reef out there, a coral reef. Um, out uh, from, from the bank there and the part where we were that we could see it was like a lake it was unbelievable it was a Caribbean Sea I've never seen an ocean like that in my life I'm going to Jacksonville Beach we're going to all sorts of beaches and all these waves are crashing and crashing you try to you try to ride them right okay you can't you couldn't ride them at, uh, at you know, there uh, in Honduras it was like a lake was peaceful. And I remember taking a video of it. Oh, gosh, I should have shown that to you. Ah, All right. Uh, but I actually have a video of it uh, of, and, and took a video of it. You can see how calm it was. It's the Caribbean Sea there in Roatan. And that's the same picture that we get here. Uh, we had this squall. Right? We had this squall, and then Jesus says, be quiet, hush, be still. And just like that, it was still. And I don't know for whatever reason I have in my notes here that it makes me think of that song, Surely the Presence of the Lord is in this place. Right? I don't know for whatever reason that song um, came in uh, to play there. So hopefully that means something to you. Oh, is your spiritual situation like this? Listen, your life is a storm spiritually with no peace. See, that was me before I gave my life to Christ. I had no peace. I had no peace. It's always a storm inside. You realize that that storm is in there, but you can't do anything about it. But God can. Oh, God can. We were made to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. John 14, verse 27 tells us, Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. He brings real peace. So even though we know we'll face storms in our lives, and, and when it seems like God's not paying attention, He's still in control. Some of my favorite moments as a dad are the times when my girls just pile on the couch on me. Okay, 
and we just watch TV together, or we just, you know, and love on each other. Because, because see, it, for them, there's peace there. Right? Their daddy's arms are wrapped around them, right? They can find rest, and you can too. See, the Christian writer Corey Ten Boom said it best when she wrote, "Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God." Amen. If you're like me, you go back and forth though between fear and faith. So we should all trust Him because God's still in control even when it seems quiet. He's all-powerful and we should therefore have faith in Him. Number four, in Mark 4, verse 40, have faith. It says, then He said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? But the thing is, what do you, again, like I alluded to earlier, what do you put your faith in? In 1999, John F. Kennedy Jr., some of y'all know this story, he flew his small airplane from New York City to his family home in Massachusetts for a wedding. On board were his wife, Carolyn, and her sister. Though, though Kennedy was a licensed pilot, he had not yet been approved for instrument flight, using only instruments to navigate. So when their takeoff was delayed until after dark, Kennedy should have waited for daylight or sought a more experienced pilot to help. Yet Kennedy took off into the darkness, the plane never reached its destination, and all three passengers were killed in the crash. Investigators determined that the crash was likely caused by disorientation from flying over open water at night without any landmarks or visible horizon. Kennedy's lack of experience may well have led him to trust what he thought he was seeing more than what his instrument panel was telling him, and he thought he could handle it himself. Matthew 8:26, when described in this same passage, says, "Little faith." Gave little faith. And so they did have some faith because they did go to Jesus, like I alluded to earlier, like I said earlier. So they must have thought he could do something, but that faith was little. We will go from fear to faith in our lives, even the, even the apostles. Again, we just saw that. They asked for more faith. In Luke 17, verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Give us more faith, God. Jesus, give us more faith. I think we should be like the father of the boy who was healed from the unclean spirits. Remember I read that to you earlier? Okay. And I'm just going to read this. I have the whole passage up there, but verse 24. Immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. Boy, that's a prayer that everybody in the room can, can identify with, can't we? All right. I, I believe, God, that help my unbelief. Give me more faith. Increase my faith. See, the disciples had every reason to trust Jesus. Think of their experiences that they've had already. That seeing seeing people healed, right? Seeing seeing demons cast out. They've been we've we've seen this through the Book of Mark. We've seen Jesus do those things, and the disciples are right there. They've personally witnessed Christ, witnessed these miraculous deeds. They knew God was with them. And I wrote this statement. You know, when I was preparing it, it spoke to me. But it's easy to forget what Jesus did yesterday when we're going through a storm today, isn't it? It's easy to forget that. It's easy to forget what, that Jesus was good yesterday because I'm going through something right now. What if he doesn't come, come through this time or the time? He, he, had, he had let them know again, and I go back right, to the very beginning. Right? Just give me just a second. And you all going to be like, why did, you, why did you tell us that, Brother, Brother Patrick? What, what's, what's, the, what's the big deal? Verse 35 in Mark chapter 4. On that day when even had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. What is he telling? We're going to the other side of the sea. We're going to make it. 
He told them already, Brother Kirk. He already told them. He told the disciples what was going to happen. And yes, they experienced this awful squall and things going crazy, but he'd already told them he's going to make it. He already told them. Oh, don't. Ooh, don't. That, that, that'll preach. Amen? When faith fails, when we allow our circumstances to override God's Word. Let me repeat that. Our faith fails when we allow our circumstances to override God's Word and His promises. It's a simple statement. You've gone to church all your life and you've heard that, but it's true. It doesn't make any less true. Okay? Trust Him. Well, I know some of your circumstances are dire and they're tough and in the dark, like the Christians would say. They look hopeless even. But God knows about it. He sees you. He has not forgotten about you. Amen? He hasn't forgotten about you. Listen to what Annie Johnson Flint wrote in a poem. I believe, help my unbelief, I know not, but God knows. Oh, blessed rest from fear, all my unfolding days to Him are plain and clear. Each anxious, puzzled why from doubt or dread that grows finds answer in this thought, I know not, but He knows. I cannot, but God can. Oh, balm for all my care. The burden that I drop, His hand will lift and bear. Listen. Though eagle pinions tire, I walk where once I ran. This is my strength to know I cannot, but he can. I see not, but God sees. Oh, all sufficient light. My dark and hidden way to him is always bright. My strained and peering eyes may close in restful ease, and I in peace may sleep. I see not, but he sees. Powerful words. I encourage you today. God is able and it is ultimately Him that we should fear and be in awe of. And we have our central statement. And you're like, okay, Brother Patrick, we can go home because it's almost time. And you would be right. But there's one more verse, right, Brother Tommy? Mark 4, verse 41. And then, I'll be honest, doesn't go completely with our central statement. We have to throw it in there, okay? Add it at the end. An addendum, if you will, okay? Verse 41. And they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. One more thing. Number five, fear God. In reverential fear and respect. See, they were terrified is literally this. They feared a great fear. That's what it literally meant. Okay, when, he, when, when Mark wrote that. They, they feared with great fear. They wrote the word fear twice. Okay, uh, the great storm that Jesus turned into great calm now led to great fear. They don't know what to do with this. And, and by the way, you're going to see this again next week. Okay? When we look at the healing of the demoniac, you're going to see it again. Okay? Fear. Fear in the presence of God who is, who is more powerful than nature right? or evil spirits. James Edwards says it this way, Ironically, the terror of the disciples at what Jesus has done exceeds their initial fear of the storm. The presence of the supernatural is more frightening to humanity than the most destructive of natural disasters. Oh, better fear, fear the God of the storm, amen, than the storm itself. Their terror is understandable in light of the teaching that only God can make the wind and the sea obey Him. Listen to me for a moment, and, and if you, you just want to listen, it'll be up here. But let me share with you a few psalms, okay? Let me share with you a few. We read, Sally read one of them earlier today for us. But listen to, listen to some of this and, and catch some of the words here that he's saying about how God is in control. 
Psalm 65. You can see the verses there. You answer us in righteousness with all inspiring works. God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the distant seas. You establish the mountains by your power. You are robed with strength. You silence the roar of the seas, right? the roar of their waves, and the torment of the nations. Those who live far away are all by your signs. You make east and west shout for joy. And then Psalm 86, Lord, there is no one like you among the gods, and there are no works like yours. All the nations, listen, you have made will come and bow down before you, Lord, and will honor your name. For you are great and perform wonders. You alone are God. Amen. It's okay to say amen every now and then, guys. Psalm 89, verse 9, you ruled the raging seas. When its waves surge, you steal them. We saw that today. Psalm 93, verse 4, greater than the roar of a huge torrent the mighty breakers of the sea the lord on high is majestic i love that word majestic and then sally read some of this earlier he established the earth on its foundations it will never be shaken you covered it with the deep as if it were a garment the water stood above the mountains at your rebuke the water fled at the sound of your thunder they hurried away and then psalm 107 verse 29 he stilled the storm to a whisper and the waves of the sea were hushed you want to go from a storm to a whisper? Trust God. And it might not be in the time you want it to be. Okay? It might not happen just like that. It might. Oh, we're not God. God is in control. Trust Him. Do you fear God? Do you trust Him? Or do we play with Him? Our God is a righteous God. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. We can shout for joy. Amen. Our God reigns. Amen. William Carey, who is called the father of modern missions, served the Lord in India for many years. He gradually became very concerned about the attitude, however, of his son Felix. The young man had promised to become a missionary, but he reneged on his vows when he was appointed ambassador to Burma by the Queen of England. He got a promotion. He got a big, big job by the time he, okay, he was important. Carrie wrote to his friend asking prayer for his son with these words. Pray for Felix. Felix, listen, this, is, this, will, this will preach. Pray for Felix. He has degenerated into an ambassador of the British government when he should be serving the king of kings. Woo. I love that. Oh, may we strive to serve the king of kings and lord of lords. Amen. And fear him and fear him alone. As we ask Sally and Alex to come up and we're Wrapping up here today, let me tell you another story. There's a lot of stories today, but I, I hope that um, you, you've been blessed being in the house of the Lord this morning. There was a young lady named Marla Runyon. Um, she gave her all to qualify for the Olympic Games in 1996. But her best time finished short of the mark to make the United States team. She didn't make it. Undeterred by that failure, she returned in 2000 and made the team for the Sydney Olympics. Her eighth-place finish in the 1,500-meter race was the best finish ever for a United States woman run, female runner. The thing that makes Runyon's accomplishments even more remarkable is that she is legally blind. She is legally, legally blind. She is the first legally blind athlete to ever qualify for and compete in the Olympic Games. After her Olympic career was over, she switched to running marathons and in 2002 posted the second fastest debut marathon time ever by an American woman. Runyon can only see shapes and blurs, but she says that her lack of vision is actually an asset. Listen to this as this will preach. She just focuses on the finish line in front of her rather than looking around to see what the other runners are doing. Not having visual distractions helps her compete and win her races. 
Whoo, that'll preach. That'll speak to a football team too, won't it, Brother Kirk? Are you afraid? What's keeping you from trusting God completely? Remember what Acts 4.12 says, there is salvation in no one else and nothing else. For there is no other name under heaven given by which people to people by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ and Him alone. What's keeping you from coming to Christ for salvation today? If you've never made that decision, I trust. I pray that you will. Focus on, and if you are, if you, if you do have a relationship with Christ, focus on the finish line like that young lady does. Focus on the finish, finish line. Don't worry about what other people do. Right? And we're running our race and focus on the finish line. But, uh, remember that today and the coming days. Amen? Because life is tough. Amen? But we have a good God who sees, sees us through it. So, uh, as we, uh, again, as we come to a close, I, I just uh, ask Sally to come up. And you have, if you have never trusted in what Jesus did on the cross, as counting for you, I pray that you'll do that today. Amen. Right, as we sing.